The date is May 26th, 2000, and we're watching Shanghai Noon. Welcome to I Used to Like This One. Hello and welcome to I Used to Like This One, the show where we take a look back at movies we remember fondly from our childhood and attempt to look past the nostalgia to see if they still hold up. My name is Sean Wells and with me as always is the Chon Wang to my Roy O'Bannon. What a great cowboy name, but even a better cowboy name is Colin Stewart, that's me. (laughs) So like, I don't know you, if Colin Stewart's uh, actually that good of a cowboy. Hey, anymore. you were a cowboy, though, so... <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, so this week we're looking back at May 2000, when the movies and theaters were Battlefield Earth, Disney's Dinosaur, Mission Impossible 2, oh, number wow. 2, <laughs> episode 115's subject, Road Trip, and of course, our movie for today, Shanghai Noon, which earned... million on a $55 million budget. Ouch. I mean, it it made it back, but it it only doubled it. Mm, Barely. Yeah. Yeah. Not even. Well, yeah. Well, as always, there will be spoilers ahead, so if you don't want to get hit in the face with spoilers like Jackie Chan's roundhouse kick, then please pause the show. Go watch the movie and then come back and hear what we have to say. So I found three taglines for the poster of this movie. (laughs) I bet you could guess at least one of them. (laughs) East meets West or something to do with East and West. The Old West meets the Far East is the first tagline. Yeah. Number two, the first Kung Fu Western ever. Um, fact check please <laughs> i i don't know if that's true yeah i it's is it the first kung fu I, I, they say so they claim it i guess that... yeah they've at least staked claim on that whether it's true or not well the third they're just betting that nobody nobody was going to do the research to actually figure it that's out that's true yeah google didn't exist back in 2000 right i don't know so the third tagline the classic western Gets a kick in the pants. Nice. Yeah. I think in the year 2000, you would have actually had to ask Jeeves or something like that. You might have had to. Yeah. Bing. <laughs> Was yeah. Bing, Bing one back then? Yeah. Posting about it on your MySpace. Well, those may not be very good descriptions of this uh, movie. We only know that it's a Western. So let's go to column for a 60 second synopsis. <laughs> Synopsis. Right, some extra little zhuzh. I'm going for the stank. Yeah, you liked my stank last week, so. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> After Princess Pepe decides to forsake her royal life and leave the Forbidden City and is abscond to America, Imperial Guardsman Chon Wang requests to join in on the mission to bring her back. Chon, three other guards, and his uncle, the interpreter, head west across the ocean to America, where they plan to find the princess in Carson City, Nevada. On the way, their train is sieged by good-natured outlaw Roy O'Bannon and his gang. Roy's already loose plan goes sideways when crazy Texan Wallace, a new member of the gang, gets trigger-happy and kills Tron's uncle. 
When Chan finds out, a melee ensues as he tries to deal with the outlaws, but ultimately he ends up separated from his crew, while Roy finds himself ousted from his own gang. Meanwhile, the princess discovers she's been double-crossed and delivered into the hands of Lo Fong, an imperial traitor who now plans to force her into a Chinese labor camp. Chan tries to find his way to Carson City, but is led astray by Roy, who's dealing with issues of his own, namely being buried up to his neck in sand. After climbing over a mountain range, Chan saves a young indigenous boy who's being attacked by a rival tribe, and as a thank you, the chief gives Chan his daughter in marriage. Chan and Roy cross paths once more, and after inciting a barroom brawl and spending the night in prison, they decide to join forces to find the princess, and Roy teaches Chan the cowboy ways. Once they saddle up and head back into town, they discover they are wanted men with people calling Chon the Shanghai Kid. They go to a brothel so Roy can gather intel and end up getting wasted. Drunk Chon overhears Roy telling a whore that they aren't really friends and gets sad, but then ends up fighting with the marshal who's trying to give a girl a bad time. Chon's drunkenness leads to him and Roy getting captured. He falls further into depression after Lo Fong shows up and cuts off his braid. The dynamic duo is sent to the gallows to be executed but avoid being hung thanks to Chon's wife and horse. Roy has a new lease on life after his near-death experience, but Tron's feelings are still hurt, and so he decides to go it alone. He finds the princess in the labor camp, but she refuses to leave, wanting instead to stay and help her people. Roy shows up to save the day after Tron is attacked by Lo Fong, and in the climactic battle, the Imperial Guards bring a chest of gold to a church to give it to Lo Fong in exchange for the princess, but Tron and Roy show up to save the princess from both parties so she can live life on her own terms. Tron saves the princess by hanging Lo Fong with the church bell. Roy experiences a minor miracle and manages to kill the marshal. After all is settled, Tron and the princess stay in America, and he and Roy become the Mat Nevada's newest lawmen. Alright. I think I got it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I watched. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. That, I... I I never really even thought about how much was going on in the plot until you have it all laid out like that. Yeah. You know, like, if, there really is a lot. So, but Shanghai Noon is, I mean, back in the day, everyone loved Rush Hour, of course, and all that sort of stuff. And this is the Western Rush Hour, Old West Rush Hour. And, uh, you know, I, I went and I saw it and... It was okay, and then I saw it again on DVD, and it was like, yeah, it was still okay. But it it doesn't hit me the same way that Rush Hour hits me. Mm -hmm. Rush Hour is one that I will go back to more often than Shanghai Noon. I don't know why. I just, it's, it's not one of my favorite, but it's Jackie Chan doing his thing, and if you like Jackie Chan doing his thing, at least you get your fill of that yeah and so but it's just it's not one i revisit a whole lot so i've only ever seen this two maybe three maybe four times in my life okay and i have seen shanghai nights at least once okay so that that's kind of my history with shanghai noon i've seen it i i'm indifferent on it okay is my history with it now, what about you? Shanghai Noon, I know you were definitely excited to bring this one forth onto the show and talk about it. Yeah, I agree. I, when I think of Shanghai Noon, I think it's like the rush hour adjacent. Like, it, I feel like they were trying to... This is like the height of like the Jackie Chan comedy, comedy years, and I feel like they were trying to catch lightning in a bottle again. Um, well, and l- lightning in a bottle with Owen Wilson, with because Owen Wilson, I mean, yeah. of course, you've got 
you've got Lightning McQueen there, or maybe I think Cars was later, but yeah. you at least have Wedding Crashers, Owen Wilson. I mean, this is when Owen Wilson was riding a bit of a wave, a bit of a Zoolander wave, you know. Somewhere yeah, it's that I, yeah, it's definitely Wedding Crashers. I don't, I think, is an '06 movie, but this would have been like post. Really? This would have been post like Bottle Rocket, post Zoolander. Like pre Armageddon. Oh no, post Armageddon. Post Armageddon. So yeah. like, I feel yeah. I, I was actually trying to think like where we should just look it up. Where is Owen Wilson in his career at the time that Shanghai Noon comes out? Well, we'll but, tell you what. We'll we'll get into that when we get into the cast list. But finish right. telling me about your history with yeah. This I movie. okay. I remember watching this movie in theaters and just absolutely loving it. I was about like. Like, I loved Rush Hour, as we've discussed, and, you know, to me, this movie was just kind of like a continuation of that same comedic vein, and so I love this movie as well. Like you, though, I, it's not, even, even though, even when I watched it this time, I really enjoyed it, it's not a movie I think about to watch. It's a, it's yeah. a movie that even when I saw it on <laughs> Disney Plus when I first got Disney Plus I was like oh yeah that movie like you oh, know yeah. <laughs> that movie <laughs> is so good but but did I go watch yeah. it right away no I did not <laughs> no yeah. but but I do I do really like it I've I've never watched Shanghai Nights though I haven't watched Shanghai Nights at all oh okay now I'm sure I've asked this question before maybe I have maybe I haven't with like Blazing Saddles or Young Guns or and the the few westerns that we have touched on are are you a western guy because of your like rodeo days and your raised on a farm days and all that sort of stuff i don't know I, like i like there are western movies i like but i wouldn't say that as a genre westerns are like a favorite of mine like do you watch deadwood no i've never seen deadwood I'm trying okay. to think, like, I've never seen, I haven't got into Yellowstone, which I know is kind of all the rage right now. Because I'm just wondering from your perspective of someone that was a rural kid with the, yeah. you know, that rode some, did some mutton busting and all that sort of stuff. I, I was wondering whether the, the, the Western kid in you was, you know, the, that was appealing as part of this movie with the Western, the East meets West, you know, the... Yeah, I feel like I feel like I was let like if if this movie had come out when I was younger in like my elementary years, I feel like maybe I would have been more. But by the time this movie came out, I wasn't like as into cowboy stuff. But I remember yeah. there's 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 this movie that I I also really want to watch on this show called The Cowboy Way with um, yes. Kiefer Sutherland, Kiefer Sutherland. And, and Woody Harrelson. And that yes. movie is like when I, when I think about like I love being a cowboy. That's the movie I think of. Or or what, what eight, about eight seconds. Eight seconds. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was gonna ask about that one. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, is that all you had to say about Shanghai Noon? Let's do this. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do this. Alrighty, let's jump into Shanghai Noon, directed by Tom Day, produced by Gary Barber, Roger Birnbaum, and Jonathan Glickman. And shout out to Jackie Chan as an executive producer on this. And written by, I like this, Alfred Goff and Miles Miller. And, you know, yeah. anyone that is a Smallville fan or a fan of the new Wednesday series, things like that. Yes, Alfred Goff and Miles Miller are names that you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I was interested to see that. 
Yeah, I don't really think I don't really think of them as film. Like I I know they they've done a lot of TV like with the WB and CW, but I didn't know that they yeah. also did movies. Yeah, it's like if Greg Berlanti does movies. Like yeah. I I don't know. You he's like Mr. CW. I don't know if uh, he's the movie guy too. I mean, Jerry Bruckheimer does both. Doesn't he have CSI and he had a couple others. He had a reality show. Amazing Race is Jerry Bruckheimer, I think. Hmm. I did not know that. I mean, I think I, but I guess it's like his, like, I feel like it's different when you're like a production company as opposed to like, uh, like the actual writer. Yeah. So we have the opening credits with the whole bunch of like Chinese characters in the background uh, apparently these letters are like translations from the frog prince book oh, really? so in case you're ever wondering if there's any like inside joke head hidden with within these chinese characters it's like no it, it's relevant to the movie they're, they're obsessed with that frog prince book in that this movie what what is the what is the line that which you have promised you must fulfill uh, something like that something like that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we open this movie and discover that we're in the forbidden city of china in 1881 and we end up seeing a whole bunch of nameless palace guards but right off the bat in the opening scene we are introduced to our hero of this movie so i mean let's talk about it's uh, not a lot of people to talk about this week i, I don't think no yeah, no, Wang. but yeah, Chan Wang. It's when I watched it on Disney Plus. I was watching it on my phone, and they didn't. This whole scene was a bit of a mystery to me because they didn't really tell me what the people were saying when they were speaking in Chinese. Oh, okay. So a lot of it was kind yeah, of confusing, that, but I kind of got the gist from what I remember. <laughs> that could be a problem. Yeah, that that could be a problem. I, I've had that happen with, uh, and, and then every once in a while they don't subtitle things. Yeah, and it's like all you all you get is like speaking in Cantonese and, yeah, or whatever, that's, yeah, and speaking or Mandarin, Mandarin or whatever it is. Yeah, and so it's like, oh, okay, well, so we're not supposed to know what he's saying here. Mm-hmm. He makes it clear that it's hold the bucket. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's hard to it's hard for me to like get on board with the idea of Jackie Chan being like not the best guy for the job. Like they kind of, I feel like yeah. they're kind of trying to paint him like he's he's kind of like the the bumbling. He's the underdog. F- underdog, but yeah. But then he just goes and kicks a bunch of ass, and it's hard to be like, oh, like he's just a savant, I guess, for martial arts, maybe. Yeah, totally. So yeah, this this cast list, I mean, nice and fast. Jackie Chan is Chon Wang. Chon Wang. Terrible cowboy name. Owen Wilson is Roy. Roy O'Bannon. Lucy. Now, should that be like uh, Roy O'Bannon slash uh, spoiler, Wyatt Earp? Sp- spoiler alert, Wyatt Earp. Earp. Yeah, yeah. An underutilized Lucy Liu, I feel, as as Princess Pepe. Pepe, Pepe. Pepe, Pepe. PP PPP PayPay. Yeah, a little underused, but I, I feel like still used enough considering this is a buddy cop movie. She's the damsel in distress. Yeah. When when she is used, she's used well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh 
Roger Yuan is Lo Fong. I have no idea what else that guy is in. Yeah. I did know Walton Goggins. This has this must be an early role for him as Wallace. He's young. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I, he's one of those guys that I never remember what he's from. Yeah, but I know he's from stuff. Yeah, like I, I've seen him enough times. Yeah, I think I know him mostly from Justified, I believe that Tim Oliphant oh. show. Okay, I don't watch that one. Xander Berkeley is Marshall Nathan Van Cleef. Yeah, I know him as the president from Twenty Four. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the dirty president. He was like a Nixon type. Jason Connery as Calvin Andrews. That's right. Sean Connery's son. And then I feel like the remainder are kind of, I don't know if we're going to know any of these people. Brandon Merrill is Falling Leaves, the Indian, like Chon's Indian wife. Yeah. Quote, unquote, Indian wife was... Indian wife. That's the that that's the only uh, listing I saw. Are you on IMDb or are you on something else? Because I only saw like just that. Oh, okay, I'm on I'm on Wikipedia and I don't know where they got that. Yeah, name see from. in in the credits she's listed as Falling Leaves, but on IMDb she's listed as Indian wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, apparently Brandon Merrill is like a former model, and she's a rodeo champion. Oh. and this is her only movie. That's not surprising. Yeah, that it's her only movie, or that she like has some badass like extracurriculars. That it's her only movie. I like oh, okay. to cut to cut to cut to the a comment for the end of the movie. Like, there's nothing worse to me in a movie where somebody where a character literally only has one line, and I and I hear it, and I'm like, if that was the best take, like, good lord, like, I don't uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, Jackie Chan doesn't even speak English. He's learning this phonetically, <laughs> yeah. and that's the best you can do, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, quite often those are UFC people, mm-hmm. that's for sure. But, I mean, that's also spoiler alert since you haven't seen Shanghai Nights, but she doesn't stay with uh, Owen Wilson. Oh, no. If this is her only movie. Uh, un- unless, I don't know, I mean, I've only seen Shanghai Nights once, so... Maybe did it, did it recast? Recast Falling Leaves, yeah. Uh, Henry O oh is the royal interpreter. John Chon's uncle, I suppose. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah, see, it I doesn't think... seem like he's done anything. I feel like I feel like that's pretty much it for the cast list. Pretty much, yeah. That, that's what I was thinking. That's, I'm just looking that's... up Owen Wilson's here. Okay. Oh, that's right. We had a Owen Wilson discussion to. Oh, this is this is actually pre. Zoolander. Really the only thing he he had done I think of note before this would have been like Bottle Rocket, oh Rushmore and Armageddon. Like there's some other movies here that I don't rec- well I know like as good as it gets but I don't know how. So he was in Bottle Rocket, The Cable Guy, Anaconda, as good as it gets, Armageddon, Permanent Midnight, Rush Hour, The Haunting, Breakfast of Champions, The Minus Man and then Shanghai Noon. Okay. And then from Shanghai Noon, he and Vince Vaughn teamed up for a little while. Yeah, so, yeah, Wedding Crashers is 2005, so so after this, I remember him in Behind Enemy Lines. 
like, that too. Like his yeah. his actual like good stuff, kind of cut. Like he after this he does Meet the Parents, Zoolander, Royal Tenenbaums, and then where where, where does Drillbit Taylor fall in? Oh god! <laughs> and then it's kind of in two thousand three. Like I feel like Starsky and Hutch. He does Starsky oh, and yeah. Hutch, then like Life Aquatic, Meet the Fockers, Wedding Crashers, Cars, You, Me, and Dupree, and Drillbit, and then Drillbit Taylor in in two thousand eight. He did Drillbit Taylor and Marley and Me in the same year. What a, what two different like, couldn't be more opposite <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Man, I never realized like Owen Wilson has done a lot of shitty movies that I've just forgotten. <laughs> uh, but also a lot of shitty movies that you you loved at the time, but you don't care to revisit. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching Drillbit Taylor in theaters and being like why why am that that was as close as i've ever come to walking out of a movie like a couple of those on the list it's like i really liked them but i've only seen them once yeah but i know i really liked them the one time i saw them yeah yeah i loved you me and dupree that movie was, I, I just thought that movie was really good that yeah. was like a what's that's the... his me myself and irene wasn't it no it's like it's like it's more like a it's like a movie where basically he's like the best friend that comes and won't leave. Uh, it's with like Kate Hudson and one oh, of the one of those right. like Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulder, like one of those guys. <laughs> one, one of those interchangeable, <laughs> yeah. Who's the who's the guy who's the guy from uh uh there's something about Mary, that guy. There's something about Mary that's like not Ben Stiller, but like the other dude. No, uh, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There we go. Well, so uh, Shanghai Noon. You know, it's funny that it was only on this viewing that I realized, oh my god, it's High Noon, Shanghai <laughs> Noon. I I never realized that taking taking another western's name and actually it's uh not just that western that they're uh doing a spoof on but the end music is blazing saddles music oh is it yeah the the music that they ride down towards that last train on is the closing music from blazing saddles hmm yeah wouldn't it have been funny if they just instead of going to the train they just went down into a car and drove off. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that would have been hilarious. Maybe it's like the retcon of Blazing Saddles where they're just like, no, we're gonna do it right. That's right. Like maybe yeah. in a maybe in a weird way the movie is a spoof of Blazing Saddles where they actually just do everything earnestly instead of making fun of it. <laughs> Straight blazing saddles. Well so yeah, we open this movie, like I said, in the Forbidden City, and we see a throne being carried in, and it's the princess, played by Lucy Liu, Princess Pepe, and she has, she's betrothed to, to a prince, I guess, who has the most impressive monobrow in the world. Yeah, as she's being carried through, though, Jackie Chan dares take a look. Our hero, Chong Wang... He he dares take a peek at the princess. How dare he? Keep your eyes on the floor, Chan. I have to assume because of Jackie Chan's involvement that is the stuff that 
they're presenting in this like have some sort of historical Chinese accuracy like the ponytail thing is that a ceremonial thing of the Imperial Palace Guards at that time allow me to do some quick googling hmm. it's the guys who google stuff podcast what was it called it's called like a Q I... yeah see I don't know Oh, Q, yeah. hairstyle, yeah. A Q is a hairstyle worn by the Jurchen and Manchu peoples of Manchuria and was later required to be worn by male subjects of King China. Huh. Well, there we go. True story. It is real. Nice. The more you know. So, the princess, she, uh, she wants to escape this life and... She is taken ransom unknowingly. She's just straight up taken hostage. She doesn't know it. She thinks she's being taken to a better life, but jokes on her. Yeah, like did she just think that she was being like the whole thing that's happening with Lo Fong got away from me a little bit. Like I, I didn't understand if he just wanted her for like to ransom her or if or if at certain points it seemed like maybe he wanted to marry her. But then that guy that that's the connery guy or whatever uh, or no yeah, okay but I he was he he was just promising to like free her so that she could be like an educated woman in america type thing yeah okay yeah i i yeah <laughs> i think so i he i he was the bad guy that's all we need to know i guess yeah his motivations don't have to be crystal clear. I laughed. I laughed every time they call him a traitor, but they never explain what it is exactly that he did or why. Like, yeah, well, true. There's no backstory given for Lo Fong, but all you have to know is that everybody knows him. Yeah, and he, he and he did and something he, bad, and he talks like he's a bad guy. Oh, he sure does. <laughs> he just oozes bad guy. Oh my god, does he ever. Yeah. So... <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, like, after she leaves and there's the scene um, the next day where the emperor and the, like, basically is telling them that, you know, the princess is left and they're going to go to America to get her and whatnot. Oh, maybe that's what happened. Because when... when she leaves that guy comes back in and leaves a letter maybe this is what i missed do they explain that like she's been kidnapped and there's they're holding her ransom in that speech yeah 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 oh okay now oh, okay so that that's yeah okay yeah yeah subtitles would have helped <laughs> yes for sure yes indeed um no that is something that's explained in that moment is yes the princess has been kidnapped I mean, she is taken away under the pretense of a better life and just escaping monobrow. But, yeah, it, yeah. The, the, the letter he slips out of his back pocket, yeah, that, that's, the, uh, that's the ransom note. Gotcha. Anyways, I thought that scene when like they select the three people and then everybody else runs away it was pretty cool, just visually. Yeah, it is, very, yeah. But there's actually four people left behind, right? Because someone has volunteered to go on the mission. 
Yeah. And like you said, everyone just underestimates Jackie Chan. I have a feeling if if his if they were going for historical accuracy, Chan would have just been like killed on the spot there for like disobeying the emperor. <laughs> but... Probably. Yeah. We we never actually see the emperor, right? Like he says he, that the emperor is eleven years old, but is there any yeah. moment when we actually see the emperor? No, I guess the guy who's talking must be like. I don't know, a vizier his or something. Liaison. His his like yeah. Jaf- his Jafar. His Jafar. <laughs> Hopefully not evil like Jafar. And then off they go. Seven weeks. Seven weeks later, we cut to Nevada, where we where we meet our other hero of the movie, Roy O'Bannon, Wyatt Earp. I I guess like the the idea that he's Wyatt Earp is actually set in historical accuracy because, well, like in a way like loosely just the idea that Wyatt Earp was actually a bit of a scoundrel and outlaw before he became a lawman mm-hmm. and so the, the gambling the traits that they give Owen Wilson are ones that Wyatt Earp had in his younger life oh, okay I don't know yeah. anything about I don't know anything about Wyatt Earp I just kind of know yeah. the know the name I stumbled across that factoid and that was about it nice. yeah I, I mean, I don't even remember the movie Wyatt Earp well enough to say that I'm quoting that even. Okay. Maybe it's all explained in that movie, and so it's not a surprise to anybody. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I kind of I kind of laugh like for everything that everyone around him is doing to really set set the scene and set like the the periodness of of the where the movie is set. Owen Wilson like has made no makes no attempts to like be Western. Owen other, Wilson other than other than his dress. Is playing Owen Wilson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's uh that that's what he does is I'm Owen Wilson and wow wow here we go. And and everything. Don't worry, I won't ev- hurt you. Yeah, everything wow. is everything he does is so understated. Even when he's like, yeah. even when he's like, yeah, it's time to do a yeehaw, so follow me. And he's like, he's like, yeah, we're just gonna jump and we're gonna go yeehaw. Like he, he doesn't like, like you think he'd be like yeehaw or something like that. But he's just like yeehaw. <laughs> like it's so, I don't know, it's weird. But it's it's yeah. Owen, it's Owen Wilson to it. It's Owen Wilson. If if you want Owen Wilson for a movie, you hire Owen Wilson. That and that's what you're gonna get. Yeah. Like you listed off a lot of Owen Wilson movies. Is there any one of those where he's not just being Owen Wilson? Hmm. Like even his character in Zoolander, isn't he uh Yeah, it's pretty... just Owen Wilson? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he's definitely just one of those guys. Like when you hire him, you hire it's because you want that specific character. You want those lines read in that way. You want yeah. that hooked nose, those dreamy blue eyes. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, I could say that he's killing it in Loki, but, you know, it's still just Owen Wilson. It's Owen Wilson with gray hair. Mm-hmm. I actually forgot he was in Loki. <laughs> uh. So we get to see his train uh, heist, though. Mm-hmm. here so but he's got like a new guy on the crew yeah wallace Boy, yeah yeah uh walton goggins plays a good uh crazy guy that's for sure 
Yeah, he just has that look Did, in his eye. Cannon. He has that unhinged look in his eye yeah. at all times. Yeah, he sure does. I thought it was strange on the train how the other like the other three Imperial Guards that, that have been sent along, they seem to be so uncaring about what's going on. Yeah. Like, e- even after Wallace shoots the interpreter, you, wouldn't you think these guys would come out? Like, just be like, oh, I heard I heard a loud noise. Maybe I should check on that. Like, you're a guard. Isn't that yeah. what you're trained to do? Like, sense danger, be on the lookout. But they just seem... Have st- the other guys back? Like, yeah. were they there to protect the uncle? Is that... Were they also... Or was the uncle one of the guards? The uncle is an interpreter. Oh, okay. So, so I, th- I feel like you'd should... want to protect him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so wouldn't one of the guards have gone with him if he had to go to the bathroom? Exactly. He just left the cabin. He heard a gunshot. But instead they're just Maybe like... Maybe investigate. Instead they're just noodles. sitting back there chowing down on their noodles. And when and when Tron S- comes in, they, li- they literally just like point, oh, he went that way. <laughs> like, That's right. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's the jet lag. Who knows? <laughs> or the sea... The sea sea leg. I'm sure they would have had to take a sh- a ship of some sort. I suppose so. Yeah, eighty one. Yeah, yeah. Well, seven weeks later. Oh my God, seven weeks on a ship. Is that how long it was? Huh. I would have just let the, I would have just let the princess go at that point. Yeah. So Jackie Chan's uncle gets murdered, and so he who did this he. Jackie Chan has to go after them. I, I, I guess I'm just going to say Jackie Chan because I guess I should say Chan Wang, but Chan Wang, <laughs> it, it's always just Jackie Chan and, and he just goes off and does some Jackie Chan stuff. I mean, I, I still marvel at the kind of stuff that Jackie Chan can do. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say at various points in this podcast, I feel like we're just going to, re- we're just going to say and now it's time for Jackie Chan to do Jackie Chan shit and then and then continue on with the story because it's like I just forgot how much his movies of this era are literally just like set pieces. It's like the story progresses just to bring you to this massive cool fight action scene and then stops and then con- and then continues to the next yeah. one but just I- one fight to another. Yeah. I thought this one was decent, but my my favorite fight by far is is like once the tr- he like leaves the tr- leaves the train and 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 Roy and all that, and then finds Roy again with his head buried was uh I I really like the fight against the indigenous the crow or whatever they are that tribe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, no, they're they're the Sioux, I think. No, wait, no, the Sioux are the ones that he ends up. I think the Sioux is the one that he, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, and you know, so for all the accuracy that they got with, uh, with the hairdo, they they were wrong on which indigenous tribes inhabit that particular area of Nevada, because it's not the Sioux and the Crow. It would have been the Ute, the Peyute, or the Shone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's at least they got representation in the movie, but they got the wrong representation if they wanted to be accurate. 
And now you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to skip. I, I want to go back. It's because you reminded me of, uh, like, in between podcasts after you watch this movie that this 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 scene where Owen Wilson ha- is is buried up to his neck in the sand. Right. I had some like Mandela effect of this onto the Scorpion King. The Scorpion King. Yes, back in our Scorpion King episode, you mentioned when the rock is buried up to his neck in the sand. I thought this scene was longer. I thought there was something about him having toothpicks in his mouth or something and having to dig himself out. Yeah. And and we could not think of which movie it was, but we were sure it was another comedy western. And we're like, was it almost Heroes? Heroes. Was it Wagon's East? And it's like we kind of landed on it's probably Wagon's East, but maybe almost Heroes. And it's like, no, it's this one. Yeah. It's chopsticks in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, ah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it was It was a fun scene. Yeah. And I like I mean I like the psych out that gets us into the scene of we think that he's at a brothel. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, 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 no. He's he's getting pecked at by buzzards. Mm-hmm. Or vultures. Yeah, vultures. Vultures. It is I just had to double check, but it's funny like after like this scene when like Roy tells him that Carson City is over that mountain range and then as soon, as soon as he like comes to whatever that little creek river is, I was just watching. I was like, "That's Alberta, that's Alberta, one hundred percent." Like, there's not not a doubt in my mind. And then and then, sure enough, I was looking up that parts of this were filmed at near Cochrane, which is also where I think The Last of Us part of The Last of Us is being filmed. But well, and uh, I believe that's also where part of uh, the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford was shot yeah as well and in fort edmonton park yeah yeah i think <laughs> yeah also i mean maybe it must just be, there must just be an area out there that's good for old west movies because i think the revenant is also was also filmed somewhere around there yeah some of that yeah yeah several of those several of those I think Legends of the Fall did too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, this one I was like, you can just when you're from here, sometimes I feel like you can watch a movie and just be like, oh yeah, that's you just like know that landscape. And also maybe it's because I was, I went for like a a family trip to the to the Rockies not too long ago, so maybe I was just used to seeing that scenery. But yeah, I thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was pretty. Yeah. And I don't know. There's just something about I love I love any fight scene that takes place in a body of water. I've realized there's some, yeah. there's something cool like when he's fighting that one. I keep wanting to call them Indians, but <laughs> just because that's what they call them in the movie. But that one indigenous person, and they're like doing the stuff the stuff with the axe, and then he like blocks it, like roundhouse kicks him, and they do that cool like slow motion fall into the water before yeah. before the other two come. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I like how cool the guy is catching the tomahawk. Oh yeah, those are right? funny. Like Yeah. That was that was pretty great. It's like, uh oh, whoops, I'm fucked now. That's the look on his face. I I mean, it's always Jackie Chan with his big expressions. And yeah. it's like so you can always tell what he's thinking. The one thing I didn't get was that, like at in the end credits there's a blooper of that scene. And they're clearly like adding 
like that he threw like he makes it out like oh he made a mistake and he like maybe hit something but but i feel like they add sound effects sound effects in the blooper to make it like broken glass and like a cat that like cat sound effect that you hate so much (laughs) it doesn't make any sense so i was i watched the blooper and i was like well is it real or not like did he actually damage something or like hurt somebody Were they or... low on bloopers for this one yeah or is it just usually, a fake blooper yeah usually the jackie chan movies have a lot of bloopers maybe this one just didn't have a lot yeah most of the ones in there him get her just getting hurt that too yeah yeah i i'm wondering how much of this movie he actually does because i know he's known for doing all his own stunts usually but does he get a stuntman sometimes? Because there's a couple like hard falls onto his back from high distances that he takes uh, in wide shots. I was going to say that I think anything on or involving the horse is not him. Like the the, yeah. f- the fall from like the saloon to the horse when they're doing the yeehaw, I, def- I don't think that's him at all. Yeah. and there's and like any time that they they're shown riding the horse they do like a big wide out so i don't think that's him either yeah. um but well, I, there, there's one where he gets pushed out of a high window or something like that and ends up landing on his back like falling through something and landing on his back mm-hmm. and it's like oh i i don't know if that was if that one was him yeah well even the only f- part of like fight one where I questioned whether or not it was him was in this, the fight scene, like after they move on from the river and they're like more in the forest, there's a part where he like drop kicks somebody and then does this thing where he like teeter totters on a tree, like, well not teeter totters, but like, like oh, gra- bounces grabs on the, tree. the tree and like use it to like spring off and do like a backflip. And I was like, that I don't, I don't cool. know. It was cool, but I don't know if he could do that. <laughs> I think I think it's he could probably do a standing backflip, and that's just enough to get him a little bit more height. Yeah, enough enough extra balance. Like it's it's clearly not a a regular log. Yeah. <laughs> the horseshoe fight is an example of one where he he's not using a real horseshoe, mm-hmm. but the horseshoe itself what that or like the stunt horseshoe that they had was too light and so it kept fucking up like i'm surprised we didn't see more uh, bloopers with the with the horseshoe yeah like there's there's the one where he hits himself in the chest with it and i think that's because he was alone in that scene i think he was using a regular horseshoe in that shot yeah but but yeah for the stunt guys they were using like a plastic one Oh, okay. And it wasn't heavy enough to swing around the way he wants. But that was one that was cool. I, I like the horseshoe fight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're on we're, we're we're we've we've reached the like the part where he meets the the Sioux people. My wife was asking me like is this movie like do you think this movie is racist? Uh-huh. And I was like I don't know. Like I think to their credit, it looks like they did cast a lot of uh, like indigenous people, which yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, and but the, yeah, I, and a lot of the like more racial like dialogue, 
I guess you could say is kind of like, well, that's how it would have been at the time. Yeah. So I don't know. And they're not. Yeah, at least he's not. At least uh, he, he wasn't a white guy. I don't know. Yeah, I. Th- that's the thing about this movie is it is very diverse mm-hmm. with the fact that I don't think there's any Italian guys posing as natives. You know, like, I, I don't think we have any of that going on, but I'm not 100% sure. But we have the all the Chinese cast is played by Asian actors. We have, as far as I can tell, all of the indigenous cast is played by indigenous actors. So I think it's okay. It's not Mel Brooks dressed up in a, you know indian chief outfit or anything like it's it's not blazing saddles yeah 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 i think it's i think think you gotta give it a win (laughs) at least least a partial win (laughs) they should have at least done the research about which tribes were actually there but yeah which bands but other than that no i think i think it's a partial win yeah you're right and then i mean you know of course you get some great lines like that's not an engine. It's a Jew. <laughs> yeah, I could use more of those guys. Maybe that was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there was a uh, yeah. I mean, th- there were a lot of uh, China mans being thrown around as well. So yeah, I guess if Jackie Chan's an executive producer and he was okay with the script, I guess it has to get a pass, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard. Also, with it's like, it it is a period movie, so it's like that too. Certain, that too. Certain things you can't just like wash everything. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. At least they're honest. Okay, so when he does end up after after his fight with the Crow Tribe and everything like that. When when he goes back to, and he's sitting around the fire, is a peace pipe like weed? Like, I don't know. I think, what, I, think... <laughs> I always thought a peace pipe was tobacco, but he's getting awfully goofy and giggly. Or like, but he can't remember the next morning. Is he smoking meth? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's some. Like, I don't think it's like weed, but it maybe I think it's some kind of like herbs or whatever. Like. That might be something yeah. that is actually, like, a weird racist trope. But... Yeah, or not. I don't Cause, know. Because, yeah, I, I, always, I, I always thought, like, it was more like to, like tobacco and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. But he he's getting all sloppy, and then he wakes up the next morning with, the, I guess, the chief's daughter, right? Is, is that the impression? Is he the, is he the head honcho? Is he the main guy? Yeah, that could, that's yeah. Yeah. I just looked at a piece uh I googled what is in a peace pipe and it says tobacco nicotiana rustica <laughs> was original oh, was originally used primarily by eastern tribes, but western tribes often mixed it with other herbs, barks and plant matter in prepar- in a preparation commonly known as kinikinik. Okay. So, I'm not really seeing anything that says it's like, you know, mind altering. 
Yeah. But that, is, but I do find that is commonly how it's portrayed in movies. Well, for... yeah, and that 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 could be the modern take on the western because you know the other thing they do is they like to do whatever that fancy term is that you found that once about a knight's tale where you've got modern music oh, yeah. anachronistic for this anachronistic. There we go. Yeah, because you've got a lot of that going on as well. So. Whatever, I guess these guys are cool. They they live in Nevada. They're they're smoking some weed or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But even that doesn't make me wake up with someone the next morning and not remember my night before. Had to be something else. They were smoking peyote or something. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually like two weeks later. It's also curious, like that that John and the princess, like. They're seemingly hinting like they're in love with each other. You would think like he'd be a little bit more, I don't know, dislike or like sad or disappointed in himself or like distraught about what he'd done. Yeah. But it seems like he's kind of just treating it more of as an inconvenience. He, he, I don't know. I mean, he does seem to be bummed out a lot of this movie. I mean, he's more bummed out when he loses his hair, mm-hmm. but he's he's still he seems hard on himself. He feel I don't know. There there's this weird mission to return this book that also uh, right overcasts yeah. everything. You know, I I was wondering, do you think digging yourself out with chopsticks if you were buried up to the neck would be possible? Do you think you could do it? Uh Hmm. I don't think so because yeah. like you're pretty deep in and it's like realistically like how far can you like you you'd be limited you'd be limited by the range of motion of your neck. Yeah. Which I don't think would be enough to like get your arms out. And so if you can't get your arms out, how would you get the rest of you out? But how packed would that dirt actually be? Right? Because you're freshly buried, so it would still be a loose pack. So I don't know, you just have to get enough away from your neck to be able to start wiggling your shoulders and I feel like then you though you should be able to do it regardless if you have the chopsticks or not. Yeah. Like you should be able to just like kind of shrug your shoulders. And then slowly, like, loosen stuff up as you go. And yeah. then, like, break your arms free. Yeah. I mean, when when they have this buried to the head gag, it is always, like, firmly packed dirt. And it's like, okay, they weren't in there that long. No, yeah. Yeah. They, they, they didn't come past here with, like, some sort of earth, like, some sort of steamroller to pack it down nice and tight around his neck. But also, if you were smart and you were gonna bury somebody up to their neck, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you also think to tie their hands and feet, maybe? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. It's also so that extra obstacle. It's also a strange thing about like if you're gonna go through the, if you're gonna go through the trouble of like burying somebody up to their neck, why not just like bury them alive? <laughs> yeah. You're you're digging a five foot hole anyway. Why not make it a full six feet? Yeah, yeah. I guess it basically comes down to they're really lucky that John Wang though 
managed to fall asleep with this girl and uh now i guess he's married but lucky for him because they she saves their ass a lot yeah she's kind of, she's kind of the she's almost like a writing tool for like yeah. my, uh miller and goff like like at any any time i feel like they reached a point where they're just like oh man we really backed these guys into a corner what can we do they're just like oh yeah let's bring his wife in to save yeah. the day <laughs> yeah yeah she's she's spider-man and family guy everyone gets one yeah <laughs> <laughs> i remember there being more with the horse like the, hor- the, the hor- horse the horse like the ho- john and the horse's relationship that is an amazing horse like like what a what a talented animal that is like the the way that it can sit and the way like just I thought it I I laughed a lot at the horse when it tries to follow him into the bar had to be one of my favorite moments that whole bit but yeah the drunk horse the everything about the horse well yeah the second time I watched it I was I was noticing like is the horse like an alcoholic like the horse tries to get in the bar the horse steals the guy's beer bottle and guzzles it like is it is that just like the horse's shtick? Like is he a, is he a drunk? Yeah, so something's up with this horse. This this is the coolest fucking horse in the world, though. I mean, the only horses that are more entertaining than this one would be animated horses, like the one from Tangled or something like that. You know? Yeah. Sven Sven from Frozen. Oh no! Is your daughter at those movies yet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I've watched them 4000 times. Yeah. And all the Olaf specials. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of like the horse uh, uh following into the saloon, I mean, we end up getting the classic walking into a bar and everything going silent because of the newcomer. But yeah, we've got Jackie Chan painted up like uh like an indigenous <laughs> like an indigenous that's oh not God. the right way to <laughs> yeah like uh yeah yeah like he doesn't belong yeah, yeah. he's yeah but he did, didn't realize that but we we end up seeing owen wilson in the bar he somehow got out with his chopsticks and he ends up getting caught cheating, and we get our bar fight with ZZ Top Plane. So this is this was one of my bar or one of my fights that I really enjoyed was the bar fight because I like the fact that they throw in just enough Owen Wilson to make you believe that hey this guy could probably hold his own, but they keep him out of it enough that you're not a. Uh, seen owen wilson's stuntman doing a whole bunch of stuff well i was gonna say they also like i never realized it on the first watch but on the second watch i was like oh roy is actually like he isn't a good outlaw at all like he's not he's not a good fighter he's not a good shot like he's not really good at anything like he should just be a nice guy (laughs) well yeah i i mean i love the montage where he's like no first we train 
and he takes him out to show him shooting and he can't hit a single can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, that was absolutely amazing. And I think that also means it's time for Sponsorship Corner! Got one in there. There were a couple. I, I I don't know how many of these are real. Like we've got Wells Fargo, so Wells Fargo I know is real, but I don't know about any of the other ones. But always on the lookout for product placements and movies. This week, Shanghai Noon is brought to you by Baker's Beans and Squaw Green Peas. Those are the the cans that we have. Um, the the Gerberall Merchant Saloon. Uh, it didn't have any other name. It's just called Saloon. But I'm like, I'm going to include it. Why not? Saloon. <laughs> Wells Fargo. Old Windsor Rye Whiskey. Golden Pacific Railway. And Bulldog Drummond's Wonders. And this has been Sponsorship Corner. least a couple of those are real i don't know was there any <laughs> did you say any guns like was there any gun brands like uh, no no even when he was safe cracking there wasn't a safe brand oh which i was surprised by but yeah no no smith and wessons or anything like that because no. he does point out the guns quite a bit hey yeah with my own guns that's cold you know yeah so they ultimately, though, end up getting arrested. They the the is this where the uh, the posse catches up with them and they end up in prison, or they just end up in prison? No, they end up in prison from the barroom brawl. Yeah. This this and this is where Roy, Roy tries to like re restart their whole relationship and get to know each other, and John's just sad because he doesn't have his book and he's screaming about his book and then john tells him about the gold and so roy is in to go find the princess and then they use the the piss rag which i completely forgot about to bend the bars and escape see and that's the one thing that i really vividly remembered from this movie was the piss rag um see well there you go the the book is just a metaphor the, that's his connection to the princess so that's actually his heartbreaking for the princess so there's there's another example of him you know taking that more personally mm -hmm. yeah not only has he failed the princess he lost her book too yeah he doesn't even have an offering for her yeah the the piss rag i don't know if this is uh something that actually works i didn't look that one up but wet makes stronger i guess i mean i feel like just logically in my mind it makes sense i feel like this must have been one the mythbusters did it's gotta be and i don't think it's specifically urine it's just that's the only water they had access to right yeah yeah i like the fact that they get through using his uh ancient chinese science and they're try they're about to try to get through the other one when the wall of their cell is pulled off 
by his wife. She comes to the rescue again. But I like how they're now trapped between two different cells because <laughs> of what she did. Like <laughs> that that's the best part about that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get the training montage to kid rock music. And then they get to Carson City. And we find out that Roy is wanted for and with a $500 reward. And the Shanghai kid has a higher ransom. So the, the wanted poster it kind of makes Jackie Chan look like Steven Seagal. Yeah, that's true. I find it like... Like clearly, like the the whole like John Wayne thing, like that being a bad cowboy name, it figures so much into this this movie. Yeah, and I remember, but I remember it playing a lot better when I was younger than it did now. Like I just didn't, I just didn't find it as funny now yeah. for some reason. Well, they do the same sort of thing in um, Back to the Future Part Three as well. Because Marty calls himself Clint Eastwood in that one. Oh. What kind of cowboy name is that? Clint Eastwood. But we get the, uh, I don't know karate, but I know crazy. <laughs> I'll use it line. That was, uh, I wanted I wanted a little bit more from Owen Wilson on that one. I'm not going to lie. I just thought. <laughs> that, that, that was one where his just like, his voice, no matter how enthusiastic his face might be. His voice just cannot be... It just can't get there. It just can't get there. It's so strange. <laughs> so the, the posse catches up with them in Carson City as well. And so that's where we get the horseshoe fight and the shootout between Roy and Van Cleef. I like the inner monologue, though, of, oh, you're going to die. You're going to get... No, you know what? You got this. You got... No, no, you're you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love everything where it's like he's trying to, you know, he at first he's trying to get out of it, like find a way to get out of it, but he's unarmed. And then Sean shows up and is like, oh, I'm trying to help and gives him a gun. And then... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, they they end up uh, getting out of there, saving themselves and going and hiding out in a brothel where they have baths and get drunk and so does the horse were you able to figure out at all how that game works no yeah like how do you how do you how do you know if you've won or lose i think i think it's just whoever points at the other person and says ah it's like that's how you win yeah see imdb someone has translated what they say the English translation of the drinking game song is one crab with eight feet painted horns. What a big crab. Blinking eyes, shrinking head, crawling, crawling everywhere. Two and two, who should drink? Three and three, who drink first? Five and five, who should drink? Two and two, you drink first. So it's like eeny, it's like eeny meeny, miny, moe. <laughs> I, I, I guess so. But on the other hand... Does that just mean you both drink because you're both chanting it and you drink first and then you try to drink first? Or maybe it's a race. Maybe oh, it's like get, you're, you're to both. To get through the whole chant fastest? Yeah. 
but it seemed like they were trying to do it at the same time. Or was that just Owen Wilson? I wonder if Owen Wilson can still do that because he probably had to do that a hundred thousand times just to like get it to stick. Yeah. Uno mas. Uno mas. And I love the moment when they're like just in their tubs and they're reflective. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like one more drink. No, I can't do one more drink. No, no. Like, and you look at them and it's like, oh my God, yes, you guys are so drunk. (laughs) And then it just hard cuts to them, like in the middle of it again. And this time they're in the same tub. Ugh. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really, that's a really fun part of the movie. Yeah. But then it's like taken completely away because after all their bromance bonding, he ends up overhearing Roy talking to the lady of the evening about how the the Chinaman is not riding with him. He wouldn't ride with someone like that. No, he's he's not a friend. What? Okay. The first time I watched the movie, I thought that Roy was just like he was just trying to like get laid. But in the se- in the second time I watched the movie, I feel like he starts asking her like questions about like stuff she's heard about John or like the Chinaman or whatever, and and then I because like later on he tells he tells John like oh is take you that was taken out of context and all that. So the second time I watched it, I caught more of an impression that like Roy was like legitimately trying to like maybe get some information about. Like where the prince, if like she'd heard anything about the princess or or, or whatnot, but yeah. I couldn't tell if maybe I, I might have just misheard or was making stuff up. Yeah, I see. I was in the same camp as I felt like he was just trying to get laid. Okay. Yeah, it's eighteen eighty one. He's not going to be an ally. He's not. Go- he no. He's not in this room. Only me and my dick are. You know, like it. <laughs> I I think, I, I yeah I that that's how I took it is that he's just trying to get laid, but I can totally see the other perspective. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Poor John, so sad. Poor John. Yeah, and pissed drunk, they end up getting caught by Van Cleef again, and this is where they end up going to uh, uh Po Po Dove Joe. What's his name again? Lofong. Lofong. They end up going to Lofong, and this is where Jackie Chan gets a haircut. Yeah, gets his gets his cue cut off. Yeah, I, I I was going I was starting to wonder whether that was going to end up being where all his power comes from. <laughs> Without it, he has to relearn to fight all over again. Could you imagine? He's like Sam. He's like Samson. Samson. All of a sudden, he's just like he just can't. He just can't. He just can't kick, can't punch. Yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of how, like, didn't he do, like, the, the drunken master or whatever? Isn't that kind of how that works? Yeah, he's, uh, I guess the blowing the bubble in the tub is an homage to something that he did in Drunken Master as well. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, a Drunken Master, I mean, the fighting style, it's like, it's, he's drunk. He's, like, it's, it's wobbly and everything. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I saw it, but I don't remember it well. It's not one I've seen many times. It's weird to me, like after after this like little exchange with Lo Fong, how do they, how do they escape this? Do they, oh no, this is they they get they they go to get hung, 
And yeah, then, they, yeah. They, yeah, they, they're taken to the gallows, and then they get rescued by his wife again, mm-hmm. and and his special horse, because they have taken his horse to the funeral cart. What Was that just like an extra insult? Is that, and your horse is going to take you away? Because I think so. I think Van Cleef mentioned something like that, like you're going to get taken away by your own horse or something like that. Okay, because it's also like three black horses and then this like brown and white one. So, doesn't yeah. look right. It doesn't match. No. Von Cleef, you need a black horse for that funeral cart. One of the scenes, there's like a just a guy standing in a coffin the whole time. <laughs> the, the the shootout scene, the shootout scene. There's a guy in the background standing in the coffin. Oh, like yeah, he's, like how they have the. He's trying it out. Well, no, it's like how the mortuary, you know, they they usually have the coffins out front back in the old west. Is oh right, yeah, yeah. So this one is one that's actually full. The guy's in there with his arms crossed and everything like that. And it's like, oh, I guess maybe they didn't have storage in the old west. Was old was dead bodies propped up in coffins a common sight in the streets? Yeah, maybe it was like oh, like just a communal wake. Where everybody could just come pass by and pay their respects. There. That's what you do. Yeah. So after they escape from the gallows, uh, we get the scene where Chon is breaking up with Roy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How could I ever be your friend? I'm just a Chinaman. Oh, it's so sad. It's heart-wrenching. It's actually kind of... Jackie Chan does a good job with the scene, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. The more the more we talk about it, the more I'm kind of realizing like the re- the reason why rush hour like is the cream that rises to the top is is for stuff like this. Like this movie like can't decide what it is. And sometimes it's like a bu- <laughs> a buddy cop, but then sometimes it leans like way too heavily into these weird like romantic comedy tropes that make it weird. Yeah. And just like unnecessary. <laughs> Like you said, they wanted to make their own Blazing Saddles that wasn't just an over-the-top spoof movie. Yeah. They wanted to make a grounded Western comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not something like Ridiculous Six, Million Ways to Die in the West. Not something like that. Yeah. Want it grounded. How does John find the labor camp? Or, like... Does he, like, how did he, I wasn't clear how he connected the dots. No, neither was I. I, 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 he, yeah, just followed his nose. He just shows up. Yeah. I didn't clock that enough either to write it down, so I just, Mm -hmm. in my notes, all I have is he goes off alone and finds the slave camp. Yeah. And the, and the princess. Because she's been put to work. I mean, we left out that whole bit. She She's a feisty prisoner. You know, she's knocking over food and everything like that. And fi- he's like, fuck this bitch. Fine, you're you're going to go work with your people. But then when Sean uh, Wayne shows up, he, he blows up her spot. No one knew that she was a princess. But because he's acting like such a weirdo around her, all of a sudden everyone is bowing. And that's that's what gets us into the fight with the boss man. Lofang. It was a pretty good fight. Pretty legit fight. Yeah. 
that guy he must be like also i wonder if he's like a big chinese movie star or something like that maybe i don't know what's his imdb say he was in bulletproof monk Hmm. it looks like he was in a lot of oh he's in crouching tiger hidden dragon sword of destiny He's in Black Dynamite. Oh, he was in John Wick 3. Oh, you might have seen him. He was in Double Dragon. You guys oh. watch, You guys watched that movie without me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who was he in Double Dragon? That's crazy. I have no idea. Oh, he's, he's pretty far down. <laughs> oh, he was just like a ninja race. Oh, okay. He wasn't anybody. But yeah, he was. it looks like he was mostly like a lot of Oh, he's in Dune. He's in Venom. Skyfall. He's in Spawn. Ah, he was he was the like fake Ra's al Ghul in Batman Begins. Oh, okay. That would okay. be that would probably be weirdly the only thing that I know him from. Yeah, I don't think that's that weird. <laughs> oh wait, no, I'm wrong. Never mind, that's wrong. Oh. He was just some weird. He was just he was a hazmat technician in that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, never mind. That's different. So nothing to do with martial arts. Okay. Like if I look at his IMDb, I think he he, I I would guess that he does a majority of like stunt things. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So the princess doesn't want to go with him, though. We we find out that she feels like she could do more for the people here than back in China. And so we end up getting, we end up get. That's when we end up getting the fight between Sean Wayne and Lo Fang, Lo Fong, Lo Fong. Why do yeah. I not? Yeah, Lo Fong. I never remember his name for some reason. And then he ends up trying to uh, getting the princess anyway, and we end up having to go to a church for our finale of this movie, where. We got we got a big old Mexican standoff, except we ain't got no Mexicans. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. That was a really great scene with uh with everybody with all their various weapons and everything like that. And shows once again how the only Imperial Guard that matters was Sean Wang. Yeah, like you would have expected the those other three guys to be a lot a lot better than than sean but maybe i don't know he he's been he's been training and keeping his skills up i suppose while they've been they've been chowing on noodles who knows so who knows that's right they're rusty they've had seven weeks without conditioning yeah (laughs) yeah they just uh but the one of them he really has no shortage of like stick weapons and swords like he he just keeps pulling out different weapons here you know all over the place he's got the one where it's like the three sticks with chains between them and he pull he's got the two swords at one point and he has some other sticks at one point like it's just where's he pulling all these out of that's why they have those really baggy pants it's just (laughs) just completely lined with weapons (laughs) i don't know the I I love that scene with Roy and the Marshal so much. 
like the, their their final little standoff when Roy only has one bullet and the yeah. marshal. But I I was thinking like as funny as it is, and I like the way it resolves. It does kind of like not make any like like the marshal's motivation doesn't make all that much sense. Like if you know somebody only has one bullet. Why why wouldn't you just like say like one, two, three like on three he goes and then hide, wait till he shoots and then wait. Yeah. And then then you got him. Yeah. Uh, oh well he 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 got cocky. I guess. He's like he's got one bullet, I've got at least twelve. That is why he's the bad guy, I suppose. I really like the moment at the end where he like lifts up his jacket and it's all full of bullet holes everywhere that his body is not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that gets him thinking that he's invincible, <laughs> which is also great. And we, uh, I also have to say that I, I think we've got Chekhov's bell in this movie because they definitely foreshadow that 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 bell is going to come into play in a big way at some point when they when they're first climbing that tower do they yeah they they kind of zoom in on the bell oh. and they're like oh okay something's coming yeah and what a bad plan on lo fong's part to to bang the bell from the inside when he can't cover up his ears properly either yeah, that's where his plan kind of fell apart, I guess. That's like throwing sand in your own eyes. Maybe he could have done that if he was like some sort of like deaf martial artist. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not in, not in that, this that's case. Gonna, that's going to fuck Daredevil up. Yeah. <laughs> but they end up killing him using the bell. They end up crashing the bell on top of him. And they end up getting rescued by the wife's tribe anyway. The Sioux tribe anyway. Yeah, after Wallace and the gang show up to try to pick up the scraps and take yeah. t- take Roy take out Roy. Oh right, yes, that's right. I completely forgot about yeah. Random moment out of nowhere, these guys show up. Like literally just to tie up just to tie up loose ends. <laughs> yeah. They they don't even think that he's alive. Mm-hmm. So what are they there for exactly? Is it there are they there for the ransom on the Shanghai kid? Is that well, no, they know they know that Roy's alive now. They didn't think he was, but then they see the, they come, after the marshal arrests them, or 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 after the bar fight, actually, I think, they come to the saloon and find out Roy's still alive, and so like in the background, it seems they're kind of also looking for them, and then they because because oh, all okay, of a sudden see. all of a sudden they think that Roy betrayed them by teaming up with the Chinamen. And then, and then they show up at the end. I think because they hear about the, they hear about the, the exchange that's going to happen. Okay, I just i I thought this was the scene where we they find out that. No, yeah, yeah there, there's one more scene before where they come back. Okay, but yeah, so they, yeah, they're boxed into the church, but yeah, they they end up getting rescued by Chan's wife again. And the and the the entire tribe, we get the you know he's right behind me moment as well with that. So, but then we find out, and it all makes sense as the movie goes towards the end that maybe she was never Tron's wife, and she was just Roy's guardian angel stalker. That's right. Yeah. 
soulmate or something. I, I do like the moment, though, from Roy where he's like, oh, my God, Indians. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're with me. They're with it's me. My They're with it's my family. It's my family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So John Wayne gets the princess and he gets the uh, whatever her name was, the falling leaves falling or leaves. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and at the end, we find out that Roy is Wyatt Earp, and he's now like a sheriff of the land. Is is Chun Wang his partner, or is he just there for this one last ride with him? No, I think that, I think they're partners. They're partners that, now. That, okay, that was, that was how I took it. Okay, because he he never wanted to be the bad guy. I like the moment when he's like, "No, no, 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 you're with me." You're the bad guy. I did like the realization that, no, I don't want to be the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good moment. And so they ride off after the possible train bandits and with the Blazing Saddles theme going. And we get bloopers at the end because Jackie Chan. And there we go. That is Shanghai Noon. Now, Colin on IMDb, it scored 6.6 out of 10 and has a meta score of 77. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 80% on the, on the tomato meter and an audience rating of 65. Weird out of skew. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. The, the one weird, like, yeah, critics on Rotten Tomatoes, again, giving a movie this weirdly high... Anyway, but Colin, those are just numbers like jackie chan hitting you in the head with a horseshoe hit us with some reviews it's it's lucky that way <laughs> all right max max w gives it three and a half out of five stars and says jackie chan and owen wilson are truly a pair of jokers their considerable chemistry combined with jackie chan's signature martial arts moves are enough to overshadow the lackluster aspects of the plot okay Kyle C says three and a half out of five. It's not mind blowing, but it's certainly good fun once it finds its footing. I never would have guessed that Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson would have so much chemistry, but damn, I wish I did. I wish we didn't have to watch like 30 minutes of boring exposition before they even meet each other. Race is a big theme in this movie and it swings wildly between handling it tactfully with purpose and using it offensively for a cheap laugh, which usually doesn't even land well. The comedy is mostly pretty funny, especially when the leads are allowed to just have fun instead of forcing along a secondary plot. The choreography is all surprisingly impressive for a comedy movie, although not so surprising for a Jackie Chan movie. It could have gone with generic punching and over-the-top kung fu moves, but it actually floats in a semi-believable real-world stakes medium that elevates it past a lot of dedicated kung fu movies. It's an entertaining ride with a rough start and awesome stunts. If you're into that sort of thing or just love to t- love the type of humor from the leads, you'll probably like this one. Hmm. Okay. An unnamed viewer says three out of five stars. Like this more when I was younger. Now it is a passable film. Owen Wilson isn't too irritating, and Jackie Chan is fun as always. Humor and story only so-so. <laughs> this guy kind of gets to my point. Uh, he says four four and a half out of five stars. His wife was plot armor. Wow. Dot ping. I don't know what that means, but I get what he was talking about at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone here says I don't like Shanghai Noon as much as I like Shanghai Nights. 
Shanghai Noon is a masterwork of Western comedy action flicks as Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan deliver nonstop laughs. I haven't seen such a nonsensical review in a while, but this one says, Shanghai Noon sees a clash of a Genji and a McCree main. <laughs> These two make a powerful combo and Anna Nano boosts Genji for a nano sword while McCree looks at his watch and gets a team wipe. All in time to get the shiny gold gun, golden gun and gambler skin. I think that person was on the peace pipe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if we want to say that. On, on this <laughs> yeah. movie's interpretation of the peace pipe. On this movie's interpretation. As presented in Shanghai Noon. Yes. Okay, I'll end with this one. It's five out of five stars. And he's, the person says... When I first saw this as a kid, I laughed a lot and loved every minute m- minute of it. Many years later, nothing has changed my mind about the film at all. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Nice. There's a lot of story going on in this movie that it's trying to do. There really is. A lot of those reviews touched on it where it's like, if you like Owen Wilson doing his thing, and you know Owen Wilson being Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan being Jackie Chan doing his thing, it's got what you like. And I can look at that and go, I like what Owen Wilson does. I like what Jackie Chan does. That's enough to pull me through this movie. But it still kind of goes back on the shelf as... Eh, there's several movies that I'd rather watch before I choose Shanghai Noon. Does this even make me want to go watch Shanghai Nights? If I have time. If I stumble across it and I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll turn it on. But I, other than some enjoyable action and some funny Owen Wilson, it's kind of a forgettable movie for me. Or just not one that I'll seek out mm-hmm. often. I can get behind a 60% on this movie kind of thing. You know, that's kind of where the audiences are on this movie is mid sixties. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I think like, obviously the main thing to compare this movie, like the benchmark would be rush hour. And I don't think, I don't think it comes close to like touching it in terms of, enjoyability not to say that i don't like it but it is just kind of forgettable is like the perfect word for it it's Uh it's it's not a movie that like draws you back to watch as much as i like it when i watch it i yeah a couple things i thought are even when i saw like the runtime of this movie at being almost two hours Mm -hmm. as i watched it i was like oh this is a problem like there is like and we just watched Liar Liar, which is like eighty-seven minutes. And I remember when we talked about that, we were saying like, "Oh yeah, the, there there is not a lot of plot in this movie. It's just a vehicle for Jim Carrey to do Jim Carrey stuff." And yeah. I feel like maybe Shanghai Noon could have benefited more if they had like relaxed on the the plot, the story, and made it more of like, let's just let Jackie Chan do Jackie Chan shit. Like it's kind of. Like even in like I'm just thinking like like Rush Hour actually has like a pretty similar plot of like the princess the consul's daughter gets captured 
and kidnapped yeah. and Jackie Chan has to team up with somebody to go find her. But you but like the 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 daughter's story is irrelevant. Like she's just out there to be found. I, are are they trying to make some sort of statement? Like the fact that they feel like, you know, for historical accuracy, they're throwing in all this Chinese slaves making the railroad and everything like that, you know. But is it because they're trying to make a social commentary or point out, you know, trying to add in this, you know, realistic through line? Is that where they fail? You know, because yeah, the consul's maybe. daughter stuff is just whatever. She's kidnapped and then she's a non-factor. Whereas this, it's like, oh, wait, no, I have to be able to set these people free. I'll do better work here. You know, like there's this whole extra layer to it of this, you know, these Chinese traditions. Yeah, I think there's like if if I could remove some things, I would have made the rendezvous with the indigenous people like less of a thing. Yeah. Like I would have almost been like maybe that's how he meets back up with Roy because Roy knows them or something. I don't think they needed to involve the marshal at all. Like I don't think Roy, the extra posse, yeah. Like Roy, Roy didn't need Roy didn't need another antagonist. They could have just used Wallace, and had like why couldn't Lofong could have been working for Wallace or something? Like they didn't need the marshal, or Wallace could have been working for Lofong. They didn't need yeah. the marshal to be there as well. Like they they added all these things to the pot that just like put too much fat in the story and then it was just kind of like things things drag a lot Mm -hmm. and then the other thing is like in rush hour jackie chan is like he's a straight man and in this movie he starts off as a straight man but then too often he becomes the funny guy yeah and so then it's like well you're doing it better than owen wilson so what do you need him for i don't know there's just stuff like there's just stuff like that where I was just kind of like, oh yeah, the tone, the tone of the movie just kind of seems all over the place. The plot is too convoluted for the type of movie this is. Just you know, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, yeah, watching it while I was watching it, I was enjoying myself. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, look at Jackie Chan doing his crazy Jackie Chan shit. Yeah. Listen, listen to Owen Wilson saying all his Owen Wilson shit. Yeah. I'm there yeah. for and and Lucy Liu kicking ass like Lucy Liu gave some good action scenes too when they let her. I agree, but I would still say that I would be on the side of the audience like you. I think like a sixty percent is about what this movie deserves. Yeah, slightly above middle. Right on. Well, there we go. That is Shanghai Noon, and that's our show for this week. If you like that show, tell somebody, like, subscribe, follow, all that sort of stuff. Follow us on social medias, you know, share our posts, tell people, because word of mouth is huge for a podcast. Or go and give us some stars on whatever app you listen to your podcasts on. Or if you want to go above and beyond and give us, uh, you know, a couple bucks a month, a cup of coffee, you know, go over to patreon.com slash I used to like this one and become an executive producer of the show, and then you get a shout-out just like executive producer Joshua Blum of the 13th Hour Podcast. Yes, sir, and you can also drop us a line at one at gmail.com. Um, yeah, 
give us your praises, give us your requests, give us your money, I guess, if you want. <laughs> no, you don't have to, unless you want to, but you don't have to. Um, yeah, drop us a line. Let us know what movies you used to like. Let us know if you want to be a guest on the show and talk about a movie that you used to like. Um, and also, if you're in the Edmonton area in the month of October, October 11th to 21st, I will be performing in the Walterdale Theater production of Alf- Ar- Alfred Arthur Miller's All My Sons. So come check it out. And if you would like to hear more content from me, check out my other podcast, In Front of the Yellow Line, anywhere pods are cast. And of course, theme music by Lyndon Carter. Look for his band, Carter and the Capitals, anywhere you listen to music. Go, go look for them because they're awesome. Oh boy, Colin. So next week we're getting into Halloween movies, I guess. That's where we are at now. Halloween movies. Spooky. So first up, we have one that we owed someone from last year. We're having David Owen back on our show. And and we've got Wicker Man. I, I, I know nothing about Wicker Man. Christopher Lee is in it. He's uh, Count Dooku. Well, in it. if last year's movie, we watched that weird Bowie vampire movie with him last year, right? That's right. We sure did. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> I've never seen The Wicker Man. I've never heard of The Wicker Man. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- this month has five Fridays, so we are taking next Friday off. We have just decided that we, for our own sanity, now that the world is open again, we need to start taking more weeks off. So we're, we're taking the fifth uh, Friday of this month off. So we'll be back with Halloween movies and Wicker Man next time. Uh, so uh, until then, I'm Sean Wells. I'm Colin Stewart. And we'll see you next time for Wicker Man on I Used to Like This One. <laughs>